0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. Um, after being gone for four weeks, you kind of get lost coming back to your own kitchen. You know, you know where everything is, but you start walking out of habit after being in so many other places thinking, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And it's strange being in your own home, feeling like you're lost, but I don't feel lost here. We really uh, have appreciated the prayers of the Lord's people as we've gone. I think it's the longest we've gone on a family trip. This was four weeks. And usually after two weeks, we have kids getting sick and uh, just wonder how in the world we can handle anymore. But through the Lord's grace, He helps us step by step, doesn't He? Whether we're here or away. And so it was just a good reminder for us. If you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy, we're going to take a, a a survey somewhat of the first four chapters. And to begin with this morning, I'd just like to read chapter four. Uh, but then we're going to kind of backtrack, look at chapter one, and also take a little bit of an overview, introduction, I guess is a better word, of the book of Deuteronomy. Um, <clears throat> I forgot to say that when I first started, but uh, I do again want to say thank you for your prayers. I know um, by the time we arrived at Camp Horton Haven in Tennessee, we've been on the road for two weeks, and. It was just hard to kind of get back into the groove of those messages. And um, I just know it was the Lord. Because so many people are praying not only for Camp Horizon, but for the camps around the country. Uh, There's just a large number of young people who know nothing about the scriptures. And camp is such a wonderful place where you take them away from their usual surroundings that distract them from listening to God. And they're not even around their family, a lot of their friends, the peers at school, the TV, the internet, their video games, their music. And they're in God's nature, under the sound of the word of God, twice a day in chapel. And with counselors, who like big brothers and big sisters, try to practice Deuteronomy 6, taking every opportunity through the teachable moments through the day when you rise up when you sit down little conflicts that explode that sometimes seem to be a distraction to what you're there for but it's really what you're there for is to help sort through those things and take every thought captive to christ and uh, i haven't heard the numbers yet from camp horizon this summer uh, but praise the lord the week we were weeks we were at horton haven seemed like the first week there was about four or five the second week maybe about six or seven who made that decision. Interestingly enough, there are there's a large number of churches in the area around that camp that uh, uh, teach that you must be baptized for the forgiveness of sin, water baptized, in order to truly be saved. And uh, there was a, a couple of campers who understood. And they were on the verge of wanting to trust Christ, but a couple of them said, I just feel like I need to talk to my mom first when I get home. And... Um, And they're struggling, right? Because the one that brought them into this world physically, who nurtures them and takes care of them, is helping to teach them something contrary to what the Bible teaches. And they're struggling seeing what it says in God's Word, and yet trying to balance, and their souls are in that balance. So it's good that we pray for Camp Horizon, even for the trips up and back, so that they can get there safely and hear the Word of God. Well, that's a little bit of what our message is today, about hearing the Word of God and... Uh, receiving and believing the word of God. So if you're with me now in Deuteronomy chapter 4, let's read the chapter together. It's long, but I don't apologize for that. It's uh, part of the message that Moses gave the people as they were about to enter the promised land. This is Deuteronomy 4, starting in verse 1. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live. And go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you. Nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. Every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess therefore be careful to observe them for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people for what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us for whatever reason we may call upon him And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law, which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord, your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather the people to me. And I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain and the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven with darkness, cloud and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. Take careful heed to yourselves. For you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure. The likeness of male or female and the likeness of any animal that is on the earth or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth and take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord, your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace out of egypt to be his people an inheritance as you are this day furthermore the lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that i would not cross over the jordan and that i would not enter the good land which the lord your god is giving you as an inheritance but i must die in this land i must not cross over the jordan but you shall cross over and possess that good land Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord, your God, which he made with you and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord, your God, has forbidden you for the Lord. Your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God when you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything. And do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger? I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will utterly be destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there, you will seek the Lord, your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you're in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord, your God and obey his voice for the Lord, your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. For ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth and ask from one end of heaven to the other. Whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live or did God ever try to go? And take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God, that there is none other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might instruct you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in and give you their land as an inheritance, as it is this day. Therefore, know this day and consider in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath there is no other. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Then Moses set apart three cities on this side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun, that the manslayer might flee there, who kills his neighbor unintentionally without having hated him in the past, and that by fleeing into one of these cities, he might live there in the wilderness on the plateau for the Reubenites Ramoth and Gilead for the Gadites And Golan and Bashan for the Manassites Now this is the law Which Moses set before the children of Israel These are the testimonies The statutes and the judgments Which Moses spoke to the children of Israel After they came out of Egypt On this side of the Jordan In the valley opposite Beth Peor In the land of Sihon King of the Amorites Who dwelt at Heshbon whom Moses and the children of Israel defeated after they came out of Egypt. And they took possession of his land, and the land of Og, king of Bashan, two kings of the Amorites, who were on this side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun, from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, even to Mount Zion, that is Hermon, and all the plain on the east side of the Jordan as far as the Sea of the Arabah, below the slopes of Pisgah. O Father, we just are getting a glimpse of Moses' final words to the people of Israel. All that must have been in his heart that he wanted to pass along to them to remind them before he passed off the scene that they might remember your word. That they remember the things that are important to you. Be aware of their history and yet looking forward to your promises of what you would one day do in them and through them and throughout the world. Father, there is much instruction for us in these things. We ask that you would lead us, guide us, open our hearts to receive it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know we've kind of been away from our historical journey of the Old Testament with the people of Israel for a brief time. And I hope that the things that we may not get to in these chapters that they will cause us to think back, especially to Ephesians chapter 1, of the blessings that God has brought us into. Because these are meant to be pictures uh, to help us in our journey as well. But before I actually get into the the, the history in the the book, as I was studying, I remembered some of my students when I was teaching a Hollywood Christian. We had gone through a survey of the Old Testament. Some of my students graduated and went to State University. And they came back with a lot of questions about the law of Moses. And and so I thought it might be worth stopping to take note of. Because I know that we have some young people in with us today. Maybe you're in conversation with others who are skeptical of the word of God. And this is one of the places that they may turn. And I wanted to at least mention it. Deuteronomy is the last of five books that Moses wrote. Referred to as the book of the law. And... This particular book, as we think of the... It's not advancing, but can you just go to the map on the next page? We have been following this historical journey. They started off in Egypt, and when Moses was raised up by God to come take them, he took them somehow across somewhere along here, this arm of the Red Sea. And they came into this Sinai Peninsula. Somewhere down here in the peninsula, Mount Sinai is... And that's where God gave them the law. Now, God was leading them in the in the cloud of fire, uh, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And they journeyed with him. And as they got to Mount Sinai and Moses received the law of God, they camped there for many days in order to begin to put together the tabernacle to set up the priesthood and to establish the words that, that god had given to moses and that's where our book begins in chapter 1 of deuteronomy as he refers back to this journey now as they came up to this side and reached kadesh barnea moses in this book goes back to recount part of this uh, uh this journey <clears throat> but let me let me uh, let me go forward and then i'll come back uh at this point, they could have entered the promised land and God actually gave them command to do so. That's when they sent out the spies and said, They're too, the giants are too big, we can't go. And they were destined to, to, to uh, basically wander in the desert here for another 38 plus years. So the t- total of 40 years from the time they left Egypt, which really should have taken them not very long as just journeying, uh, they now find themselves coming up the other side to the plains here opposite Jericho, where you see Mount Nebo here in the plains of Moab, and this is where Moses is going to give a series of messages to a new generation. And so I want you to picture with me, if you will, then, as we enter into this book, something we do every year. Everyone here has a birthday, right? Okay, so we sing happy birthday to the people who have birthdays, and and we're remembering the years that they've already experienced. But at the same time, we, we almost always, at least in our house, we acknowledge that it's the beginning of one more. So there's a looking back and a looking forward. right? We celebrate where we've come from. We look back and we we try to, to look in the rearview mirror and analyze where we've come from and appreciate the things that we can appreciate. But really, we're looking forward. Some of us may not be looking as forward as we used to to those things, uh, but... We are reminded of the passing of time and the importance of the things we do with our lives, right? And I know as my life goes on and I think about how fast it seems to be going, I don't feel much in my mind as I just think I don't feel a whole lot different than I did when I was just coming out of high school and college. When I go to get up out of my chair and my knees aren't cooperating and I try to to run across camp for something that's happening <laughs> and, and, and it seems like uh, my body is resisting me every step I, I realize how much time is passing on me but it doesn't seem like that long ago when I was a kid in my parents house and I was thinking about this journey 40 years have gone by since they left Egypt and Moses is helping them to look back now the, the the difference in this case is the journey of those who are standing before those before Moses this day, not all of it was experienced by them, right? All those twenty and older who were there that came out of Egypt have now passed off the scene, and there's a new generation. It's the children of those who came out of Egypt. Some of them who are under twenty they're the el- they're the elderly amongst this group. Some of them may remember coming out of Egypt, but most of them do not. And I think about the things that my parents tell me, about the things that I was too young to remember. Or maybe the things that were just kind of sketchy in my mind as a five-year-old. Now, 40 years later, it's awful fuzzy. It's been a long time since the Red Sea when they crossed, and they started that journey to to the mountain. And so, as Moses is giving this last series of sermons, as they're often called, He's speaking to a new generation and they need to be reminded of where they've come from because many of them didn't really experience it and see it with their own eyes, but they've heard about it. And he's trying to give them a vision of the future and how they should proceed. And This is his last words. Now, in chapter one of Deuteronomy, I said I was going to talk about this book. In the, uh, I think it was the 1800s, there were several skeptics of the scriptures who came up with some theories to try to uh, take away from the credibility of God's word. And uh, there was a, a group of men in their studies who said, you know, the name of God is mentioned differently. The, the poetic style of the writing changes throughout these books Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And they postulated this theory that it wasn't really Moses who wrote all these books. But the oral tradition was handed down and, and other people. And, and the different style of writing, the different names for God that's mentioned in different places, they, they kind of cut it up into pieces and said, well, these sections were written by J. J. They called them the J documents, right? And uh, perhaps it's because Jehovah's name was mentioned. And, and Elohim is mentioned in a whole lot of other passages. So those are the E documents. And then after Josiah found the law... Hundreds of years later, then, well, you know, they tried to rewrite it for everybody to simplify it. And so those are the D documents from uh, Deuteronomy and, and, and writing in a later time. And then the priests wrote part of it. And so those are the P documents. And so that's this J.E.D.P. theory. And because there was not a whole lot of archaeology back then, there was there wasn't much way to refute these things. And a lot of people were were uh, uh, kind of wrecked in their faith because they couldn't refute these skeptics regarding the word of God. But the exciting thing is, although it's still being taught in places where my students went, uh, there's enough archaeological evidence now for us to rest very securely and plainly on the fact that it was Moses who wrote these books. They used to say that people didn't really write that much back then, but now we have writings back into thousands of years before Christ. And so their there idea is that these things were not written in Moses' day at 1400 B.C., but maybe 8 and 7 and six BC, 600 B.C. We don't have to listen to those things. And Um, if you want to do more study on it I know there is a lot of books I looked to see if I had them I used to have one that went into great detail on it I don't anymore Uh, so I was able to just kind of get a rudimentary uh, look at it myself last night but I remember loaning uh, one or two of these books to some students it was a great encouragement to them so if you've been talking to someone uh, or if you are concerned about trying to build up your own confidence before meeting someone like that I encourage you to go ahead and uh, to do some looking and I will try to find out the name of those books and pass them along to you if you want to know more information but no matter what people say God passed along through his own inspiration, truth to mankind and helped them to write it accurately the apostles uh, uh, talk more about that in the New Testament in First Peter and First Timothy and I didn't mean to go so long into that but just to say this is the confidence we can have Moses is writing he's speaking these words to this new generation and what does he say let me get back to that chapter 1 these are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness in the plain opposite Suf now he says it's 11 days verse 2 journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea here's why I wanted the map from the time they came from Horeb which is the other name the Bible uses for Mount Sinai, up to Kadesh Barnea was a mere 11 days journey. So you can see it shouldn't have taken them so long. And it was there that uh, Moses takes them back to as he begins this recounting of their journey. It says on this side of the Jordan, verse 5, Moses began to explain this law and said, The Lord our God spoke to us there in Horeb, saying, You have dealt long enough at this mountain, so take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain and in the mountains of the lowland, in the south of the seacoast. He wants them to go see the land. Verse 8, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. And to their descendants after them. He says, your parents were the ones who were there 38 some years ago. 11 days journey from leaving the mountain on the verge of going in. And he said, here's the land. Go in and take it. Verse 9. And I spoke to you at that time. I'm not. I alone am not able to bear you. And he says, I need some help in leading this multitude of people. And so they took the time in verses 10 through 18, takes the time to talk about this, where Moses' father-in-law Jethro came and said, you're going to wear these people out. You need help. And so they set up judges to help him. And he taught them the word of God, put them in, in positions of, of judges where they could help resolve the conflict that was going on and help lead the people and teach them the law of God. And then he says in verse 19, so we departed from Horeb. We went through all that great and terrible wilderness. You saw all those mountains of the Amorites, and we came to Kadesh Barnea, And then verse 21, the Lord said it again to them. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. They're on the edge of it. But they didn't go in. Everyone came, verse 22. They said, let's send men before us and search out the land. Bring back word to us of which way we should go up and of the cities that we should come to. They said, look, we need a good plan so we can know how to proceed. And and the Lord allowed them to do it. Moses said, it's a good idea. So they sent these men in and you know the story The 10 spies came back and said, yeah, it's a great land. But how are we going to go up against these people? There's giants in the land. We're just like grasshoppers in their sight. And they began to be afraid of what was before them. And they were afraid to move forward. Verse 26. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. What they saw with their eyes, what they felt in their hearts, outweighed what God's word told them. And the Bible said that they rebelled against the command of the Lord. Verse 27, you complain in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts and the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to the heaven. Moreover, we've seen the sons of the Anakim, the giants there. And I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord, your God who goes before you, will fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son and all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you, to pitch your tents and to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and the cloud by day. I just want to stop right there. It's a lot of history. Some of the stories, I apologize for some of you who may not be familiar with some of the stories we've referred to. But Moses wants to take them back to these stories. And since he's already given the history, he didn't give a lot of detail about them. And we can go back one-on-one and talk about them if you want more information. But notice, there's a pattern that happened to the people. And I think it's important that we highlight this because notice when we were reading in chapter 4, I see one, two, three... Four, five times in chapter four, where Moses says to the people, take heed to yourselves. Take a careful heed to yourselves. Be careful to observe these things. Diligently keep yourself. Take heed. I'm reading all of them. He says, watch diligently over your own heart and life so that you don't follow the pattern of your parents. What was the pattern? He says, first of all, they doubted God's goodness. Verse 27, they saw the giants. They knew his command, but what? They doubted his goodness. It's because the Lord hates us that he's brought us out here from the land of Egypt to destroy us, to deliver us into the hands of these enemies. So their doubt about God's goodness and his character was the beginning of their disobeying God and falling away. Then it says, (laughs) our brethren discouraged our hearts. There was outside influence for keeping them from overcoming this fear, this doubt. You know, shamefully, it's their own brethren who did it. Now, we can go back to Genesis and see when Satan came to tempt Eve. Hey, that that was the devil himself. He got them to doubt God's character. He said, God's not really looking out for you. Yes, he says you can eat from this tree. He's holding back on you. He wanted to cast doubt on the very character of God. And just as Satan was successful at getting Eve to disobey God, here was the people of God. They heard God's voice themselves calling out from the mountain. And Moses says, listen, there's no other nation in the whole entire world who's experienced what you have. You've heard the very voice of God, and he's let you live, and now he's leading you into his land. And yet somehow, when he's going before us, we can see the pillar of cloud, we can see the fire by night, And yet, you've doubted His goodness. They accused Him of hating them because of what they were going through. And you and I can relate to this. We're going through times in our life things seem to be going along okay and then some sort of sickness hits. We lack finances and troubles come and because of the lack of our substance we begin to doubt God's goodness and His care for us. Perhaps in the midst of suffering that doesn't go away, our faith begins to fail. And Satan wants to discourage us, right? He's called the accuser of the brethren. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of his tactics is just to highlight our circumstances and cause us to doubt the love and care of God. And just like he was successful in Adam and Eve's day, just like... The nation of Israel, with all that they had seen of God, because they were discouraged in their hearts along the way. The challenges that lay before them they didn't move forward. Now to me, when I feel like God wants me to take a step forward and I'm wrestling with my fears, I call it doubt, call it insecurity. I call it maybe a lack of confirmation of God's direction. But God called it here, rebellion. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. Those are a lot stronger words, aren't they? And I don't like to think that I have a heart of rebellion against the command of the Lord. But sometimes we we falter like they did. And so we need a, a message to remind us who God is, so that we don't doubt His character. Some of these people who wrote these books throwing doubt on the very word of God that we were talking about before claim to be believers. And see it says their own brethren discourage their hearts to doubt the character and the word of God. But here's Moses trying to stand before them and he says to them, don't be terrified and afraid. The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you. Just like he did in Egypt when he took you out of slavery. Just like when you were wandering in the wilderness and you didn't have food. He gave you the manna. Just like when the Amalekites came against you to attack you from behind. The Lord took care of them for you. He went before you. Here He is in the cloud, in the pillar of fire, showing you the way to go. But the final rebuke here in verse 32, Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God. The Lord was angry with them. And so he said, not one of these men from this generation will enter that land. And that's why they had to wander for 38 years till that whole generation died off. Because they refused to believe. And over and over again, we are told that the reason we don't enter into all that God has for us is because of simple unbelief. None of our sin is too much that God can't forgive it. Just like the power of Egypt was not so great that God couldn't overcome them and all their gods. Satan can't keep us out of heaven. It's our unbelief. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord is your Savior and, and you're struggling with whether or not you have a place in heaven. Just like they were faltering in their own selves, not believing God, therefore were not able to enter into God's promised land. There's no way for you to get to heaven unless you put your trust in Christ. You must believe His word. Don't doubt His goodness anymore. The Bible says it was because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life and so he sent his son to go to the place that we couldn't go to to the cross to pay the penalty of our sin so that we can be saved Right? and so they didn't believe the Lord and his word so they doubted his goodness I wrote down this pattern they denied his word and then they disobeyed his will they doubted his goodness denied his word and disobeyed his will. And you know, we, I struggle with that. One of the things I was talking to the campers about was my own struggle in, with forgiveness, right? If you're a believer here today, you, I'm sure you continue to struggle against sin just like I do. And for years, when I would confess my sin to the Lord, I, I struggled with believing his forgiveness. The Bible says, First John 1, 9, if you're a child of God, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Right? And so I'd confessed my sin and I still felt dirty and I still felt like I couldn't really draw near to God. And I felt like I could not really proceed to move forward. I, I was still wallowing in the mud. And finally, God challenged me with this. Do you believe my word or not? Are you more holy than me? I said that sin was forgiven by Jesus Christ on the cross. And you've confessed it. And now because he's paid for it and now you've confessed it, I'm cleansing you again. And it was an act of faith to believe the Lord more than my feelings. And it changed my Christian walk. And maybe some of you are struggling with that. You know you're a child of God. You, you're on the brink of entering it. You're trying to go forward. And, and yet there's things that you're not believing God. You doubt his, his faithfulness to do what He said He would do. And that's a battle He's already won for us. And we can walk in it. And if you don't know that peace and deliverance, I pray that God would give it to you. So here they stand. Now Moses says, listen, God was even angry at me. The people so frustrated Moses that he disobeyed God. And this is one thing that I thought was interesting. That's what the Lord accused him of. Numbers chapter 20, where Moses struck the rock rather than speak to it. If I can just read what God said to him. After Moses struck the rock twice, God gave water. Yes, the people were blessed. But notice verse, this is verse 12 of Numbers 20. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. And the water of Meribah, this was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. It's interesting to me. See, God wanted to show them his greatness, his holiness, his willingness to provide for them, his goodness. And when when Moses did not hallow God in the eyes of the people and believed him to provide it just by speaking. And God said, you rebelled against me and you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. See, God had to do something to bring about his hallowing another way. Part of that was reminding the children of Israel that none of us are free from God's authority. Moses was not permitted to go into the promised land. Yes, he provided them. Yes, he brought them into the land. But he had to to show them who he was and remind them again, even in that moment. And here was, was Moses, not able to go into the promised land. And he reminded them of that and said, I'm not going to be able to go in there myself because I didn't believe God. So I'm bringing you onto the edge of the land. Your fathers did not believe God. Ye, some of you were there and saw it. They were doubting his goodness. They doubted his faithfulness to do what he said to do. And so now he says, listen, uh, verse 15, take heed to yourselves. Lest, every time he says this, there's a warning. Verse. I missed verse nine. He says, take, this is Deuteronomy four again, sorry. Take heed to yourself, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart. He says, take heed to yourselves, lest you act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of any figure. You didn't see a God, but if you make a God, you create something of your own that takes God's place. He says, you'll do that if you don't guard your heart. Even if you don't make something, he says, verse 19, you lift up your eyes to heaven, see the sun and the moon, which God has given to be gifts and signs. But no, he says, you might take yourself to worshiping them. But now he says, listen, verse 20, The Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people. He chose you. Brothers and sisters, we read in Ephesians 1 early this morning, God has chosen us in Christ and blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you know Christ, this is true of you. God says, he's, he's brought you. None of this stuff we cling to. He has brought you out of the slave market of sin. Brought you into a new place that you might be his. We might be his. And so he says, now, I'm not going to go across this Jordan. But you are. So watch yourselves, lest you forget this covenant which God has made. The Lord is a jealous God. He wants, he's going to protect that relationship with you. Now, that's exactly what God did. For 38 years, he was dealing with them as they wandered now the new generation is coming along he says I don't want you to follow that that pattern. So he comes again and says you'll you'll stumble too. Chapter <laughs> I've been all over the place chapter 4. He says when you're in distress all these things will come upon you and when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice he's merciful. Yes he's jealous he's going to watch over you keep you from wandering but when you do He is merciful. He will not forsake you or destroy you and forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. So there's two things God is saying. Look back. Look at yourself. Your own unfaithfulness. Your struggle. Just like Adam and Eve's. Just like Israel's. Just like us today. We doubt God's goodness. We doubt his character. We deny his word. We disobey his will. But he says this. If you turn to me... He says, he will not forsake you. He won't destroy you. He won't forget the covenant which he swore to your fathers, he said to them. right? So to the Israelites, he wasn't going to throw them away. He said, "I'll, I'll rescue you. I'll take care of you. And you can count on that. To us? And he says, you don't have to go get saved all over again if you've disobeyed. You're born into the family of God. You're born into his family to stay, just like our own children are. But... Um, he says I won't forget my promises to you I won't destroy you he'll grant the forgiveness why? because he loves us wow do we really believe the goodness of God? verse from those young people this morning have come back to me. It's interesting how the Lord has used them on our Sunday morning messages. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, He should be against us. But if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son... But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he goes on to list lots of things that people would think might, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor no height or depth, any other created thing. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I feel compelled to go back and just leave a challenge. Do you know the love of God through Christ Jesus? Maybe you've heard about it all your life. I have a friend whose dad was a missionary and she claimed to know the Lord as her Savior from the time she was a child but at 19 she finally admitted and said, you know I never really submitted my heart to Him. I heard about Jesus. I knew the way of salvation but I withheld my heart I never really put my trust in Him to forgive me and to make me His child. I recognize a lot of faces here today. That's a good question. What about you? You've heard the Word, but have you doubted His goodness? Have you denied His Word? He says, if you call upon Jesus, you shall be saved. Just like that. Jesus said it was paid in full. The full penalty of our sin was paid in full by Christ when He died on the cross. And if we had to try to pay for it ourselves, we couldn't, but He died for you. And if you're here today, turn to Him. Turn to Him. Let Him forgive you. And if you do know Him, sometimes it seems like we're going through a wilderness, right? Don't let our sufferings and our trials calls us to doubt his word and doubt his goodness to us. He's faithful. Interesting, you know, in Deuteronomy, there's several words that show up through the whole book. Remembering is one of them. We need to remember what God has done for us so we can be reminded and encouraged to trust him. Love is another one. We don't often think of love being a theme of the Old Testament books, but it is. And God has loved us with an incredible love. And now he just says know me so you can love me and as we walk with him that's what he wants that we will walk as he was calling them to walk they could obey him if they trusted him and Jesus said if you love me you keep my commandments let us draw near let us not let the fears and the doubts hold us back from obeying his commands let's pray Lord Moses he was a man of many failures himself you raised him your word says he was powerful in speech and yet he thought he was one who stumbled on his tongue and could not do what you were calling him to do he tried to do it in his own strength killed a man and was on a delayed uh, timetable for seeing you accomplish your work in his life Here he struggled in his own obedience and trusting you, believing your word, to obey what you tell him to do and to honor you and hallow you in the eyes of those around him. And Lord, we can relate to a man like him. Help us to hear from a man like him today, a man who learned to see you truly as the holy and righteous and yet merciful and forgiving God that you are. Help us not to be discouraged by our own life Help us not to be in discouragement to those around us, but to encourage one another while it's still called today that, that we might draw near to You, to believe You, to take steps forward into the very things which You have prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Good works, not to earn our salvation, but because You've already saved us. Lord, shine out in our lives. Show us the way. Give us the faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.